Okay, we're back with part two of Tendai's indoor journey. Enjoy. I got into the hospital and I was told um, I'll be out in 15 minutes. Um, this was in my first rodeo with operations. Um, I had one for a breast lump and it didn't go as I planned in terms of time-wise. They didn't plan it better. Uh, so this time I said, I want to make, these people said 15 minutes. I want to make sure it's 15 minutes. So I'm getting into the theater before um, they say, you know, about to take you to sleep, blah, blah, blah. I look at the clock and it's eight o'clock. Mm-hmm. The next time I open my eyes, it's half past two. I'm thinking, ha, what happened? Yeah. I didn't know. I didn't even know what happened. And, um... And I'm looking at these people around me. There was a very handsome guy who looked so worried, drained to death. There was this dark, beautiful girl <laughs> who also looked worried. And everybody was calling me. And I was wondering what was going on. So for a brief 30 minutes, I didn't know who I was. I didn't know where we were. And I didn't know why people, these nice people, were around me. Mm. And I think it dozed off later. I then remembered. So that's when I then looked at the clock. So like, this is half past two. This is not correct. Mm-hmm. I was supposed to be out maybe nine o'clock tops. But what bothered me is I was in so much pain and no one was giving me any meds. Mm-hmm. Like, and um, I can't spell, but the moment I, I got hold of my phone, I sent my mom a message and I told her I was in excruciating pain. My mother knows I can't spell. So the moment she read excruciating spelled correctly, she was on a bus to her eyes. Like, this girl mm-hmm. is dying. There's mm. no way. How how did I remember my mom telling me that you had never used the word excruciate in your whole life, <laughs> and then you spell it correctly. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make sense. So on the time when I opened my eyes, what bothered me the most was not the hours. Was that it? There was a little sign that was written: no food, no toilet, and bed bath. So I I didn't know what that meant for a small thing. I got into the theater thinking. I'm going to be a mom in the next nine months. Then I open my eyes. I can't eat. I can't go to the toilet. I can't bath. Mm. So in denial, I lifted up myself. Took There were so many drains that were on me. Took the drains and the drips. Hugged them to my chest. Went into the bathroom. Figured out how to bath. And I I remember trying to do my eyebrows. I didn't even have the energy. And thinking people are going to come visiting. How? And finally sitting and wondering what just went wrong. But I remember that the strength I didn't have, no one came to see me that evening. No doctor came to see me, nothing. The following day, no one came to see me in the morning, at the morning round. At 11 o'clock, my doctor came. She jovially told me that I had had complications in the surgery and um, it turned out that I didn't have stage one. I had stage four, which is severe endometriosis. The adhesions had wrapped my fallopian tubes in my ovaries um, into a ball and stuck them behind my uterus and also done the same to the large intestines. Mm. So the four hours were complications of trying to remove, release my intestines and everything else. Mm. And in the process, they had to cut my fallopian tube. But because I had crushed and they had cut the large intestines and... Um, they wanted to check if the rectum had not been affected, mm. but there was no GP, so they had to look for another GP while someone was trying to do the GP's job and saw me up and the GP to come and see that things were fine. 
and she said i'm sorry you can't you cannot have kids the remaining tube we should have removed it but we didn't have your consent it has a condition called hydrosalpinics oh. when she said this no one had prepared me mentally of mm. what was going to be said mm. uh, she didn't sit down like in our culture when someone sits down you know that this is bad news that's coming mm. i remember she was just at the end of the bed like about to go while just arriving i don't know if that makes sense mm. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i was it was like I can't even begin to explain. You know when people say my life flashed right? Mm-hmm, I could mm-hmm, see mm-hmm. all my motherhood journeys just crashing right in front of me. And she says, uh, you're a miracle. And, you know, if you get better, well, we can discuss later. And she left. Okay. So, this is it. This is the moment you actually then find out yes. that the pain that you've had all, all this time... Things has amounted to endometriosis, has amounted to polycystic ovarian ovarian syndrome, syndrome, tongue twister right there. Tell me what went through your mind. Um, I think the first thing that went through my mind is, did I do something wrong? Like, did I miss hygiene class? Like, does, how did I get here? You know, I mm. and because I remember my guy then saying you've got all the problems, the gynecological problems we used to learn within college. You are like a science mystery. Okay. So while she was saying this, I'm thinking, what did I do wrong? Did I come here late? Like, but I was going to your fellow people, including you, for so many years. Like, so what could I have done? And then what does it mean? You know, you mm. go through all seven cycles, seven stages of grief, all in just one minute. Mm-hmm. So I remember just bursting into tears after she left. There was a lady, I was sharing a word with this lady. Uh, she just came, we'd never spoken, but she just came and she embraced me. And I, and I didn't even know what was going on. No one told me the next steps. Mm-hmm. Like, what does that mean? She just said, you know, the endometriosis specialist is going to come. She's also an IVF specialist, so she's going to come and tell you. Okay. So, so after knowing this, I, I immediately said, I need to be well. I need to get out of this place. Mm-hmm. I just needed to be well. After she left, I started to, I was told I needed to do physiotherapy. It, it didn't make sense to me. Well, I think just to go back, I went through so many scans to pick if I had, uh, if, if it had progressed to cancer. So I had so many things go in for testing and all. Mm-hmm. But no one was saying it. Mm-hmm. You could hear like when the nurses are coming to take this or when you're going for a CT scan and you're picking. But because I used to read a lot about this, I knew what, what the way, what it, the, 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 you know, the possibility that they're checking A, B, C. Mm-hmm. So it was, um, it's like you have been captured. Mm-hmm. And people are deliberating your fate, but mm-hmm. they're not telling they're not you. Yeah. You get it. Mm-hmm. So I had to pick and infer what was going on, and nobody really told me what was going on. Mm-hmm. So when someone told me that I had to be, I had to do physio to walk, I looked and I'm like I've been going to the bathroom, but when I it was time for me to actually do that physio, I could not walk the whole corridor. So that's when I started to ask, what was going on? What went on in the theater? So you're being told, oh, you were resuscitated. No, your, mm-hmm. your lungs, now you have to, 
use a spirometer and also before I could even deal with the end of things, I needed to deal with the so if I don't pass this physio, I can't get out of hospital. So I, my mind shifted mm-hmm. from that at that moment. If I don't win off these painkillers, I won't get out. And I planned to get in. I remember I'm like, I have exams in the next two weeks. I had, So all of a sudden you go in with a plan and then you, you now need to start to replan. So for a moment during the five days in the hospital, I, I pushed it away because I felt I needed to get out. Mm-hmm. I was so strong such that I got out before I was physically strong. Like I was mm-hmm. mentally strong, you know. Even if I was in pain, I would do something else. Be on Just YouTube that, yeah. so that they can record that they have been giving me lesser painkillers, which was not a true reflection of what I was really, really going through. Mm-hmm. But I needed to be out. Like okay. I just needed to be out. So now, you know, that happened, that was 2019, and now we are in 2022. It's been, what, 19, 20, 21? We're, like, in the third... It's been a while. <laughs> it's been a while now. <laughs> After the, the actual diagnosis and and everything that's there. And maybe for somebody who, who's just listened to this entire story and then they're looking at it and thinking, oh, wow, okay, this could be me or this is me. And they're in the same you know, same, same boat as you. What would you say to, to someone who is, who's, who, who doesn't, who's been self-diagnosing for as long as you had done, you know, you, you've just said, you know, I didn't know, did I was, did I do that late? Did I, you know, there's a, we always blame ourselves when mm. we feel that we haven't done mm. something properly. You know, what would you say to a fellow sister out there who, is going through what you're going through now and somebody has said, ha, you might have endo, you know. Oh, yeah. So I think after that, it pretty much, what you asked is what I became. Mm-hmm. Every time someone would say they've periperineal, immediately told them, no, mm-hmm. you go get yourself checked, go and see this guy and tell them you want a laparoscopic diagnostic. Mm-hmm. Don't ask for a scan. Mm-hmm. So that's what I tell everybody who has period pain. It's best you have that diagnostic. Let them put a camera inside. Let them just see and tell you what is there mm-hmm. and then get the right help. I think the the downside of the diseases that are inside our bodies mm-hmm. are that it's all speculations. If you can't see what is inside, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and the downside of gynecological issues are there. They're surrounded by a lot of cultural connotations. Mm-hmm. So that's the downside. So from then on, I made it a point. I would tell you that in in that very month, in the very year, I met so many people at work that would suffer from period pain because I was the only female manager in HR. Every lady who had lady issues would come to me. Um, from where I was working, over nine girls were now diagnosed with endometriosis. Mm-hmm. But all these people just used to think they had... Uh, so you want to make sure... You want to understand that period pain is not normal. It doesn't matter what age you are. It's literally your body telling you there is something wrong. We must just have our period. It must just come and go. You must be surprised. We must spoil our dresses and be shocked, mm-hmm. you know. The moment you have pain... Just don't allow people to invalidate your pain. Okay. Get it checked. Yeah. And then, you know, 
endometriosis brings in a, a very different um what can i say a, a, so you you look at fertility very differently when you're talking about endo and um now that you know this is all you had wanted let me get pregnant so that i get better you know i get if I get pregnant then i'll get better and then life becomes easier and then everything becomes better and then that moment that doctor says you're not going to be able to have children anymore and that blow i know there are women who've been able to have children with endo mm -hmm. and some have discovered that they've had endo after they've had their children but you are in the middle where is you're not on the other side of the coin whether you've had a child or you yeah. you know so you've discovered it before you've been able to have any children and maybe take us through what that is like and you know how how have you coped have you coped you know <laughs> it, i mean infertility for women a lot of the times, it's, it's you know, a it's, it's, club. it's yeah, it's, it's a, a it's lonely a, club. It's a hectic yeah. story. The All expectation together, is we will get married. You have children. children. And that hasn't happened. So for me, unfortunately, the idea of having children didn't go away. I was mm -hmm. fixated there. So because I was there, the first thing when the endometriosis specialist came to see me in hospital, she, after telling me all this, I wasn't interested. I've already been told that. That's, let's talk about IVF. I immediately, she's like, no, you can't have IVF. Your situation is terrible. Mm -hmm. The tube that you have is in such a way, it's very toxic to the uterus. So even if uh, fit, uh, fertilization takes place, it seeps in fluid that we have cause you to miscarry. So your chances of success are 35%. Mm. Um, I still said, you know what, I worship a, a miracle God. I, I'm going to be pregnant. And I remember my guy saying, I need to take you to a psychiatrist because you need to deal with what you're going through right now mm. before you and stop being fixated on having kids. I said, you know what, I'm going to come here pregnant. You wait and see. And I walked out. I remember she actually uh, prescribed antidepressants for me. So it became a battle to say, I am not, I'm not, I'm not complete. Mm -hmm. um, like I told you, I, my family is fertile. If they sneeze, I swear they will get pregnant. Mm -hmm. The, I was surrounded by people who had babies at the, at prepared for babies and surprise babies, you name it. So, um, I, infertility was never a subject that was even discussed in our family both maternal and paternal, we never had a situation where we sit down and we said we had a relative who did not have kids. Mm -hmm. The stories that were there was people were having kids at such a young age. Mm -hmm. So now going back to say, I can't have kids, I was trying to say this is not normal because you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Think issues around fertility are always uh, referred to as being genetic. You know, yeah. if, if you have a set of twins on your maternal side, it means you're going... So now going back, trying to go back and say, um, I, what, what, what is going to happen? It was a lot of noise in my head. There was a, I had school. I still had to finish school. And I had work. Um, and at, I, I had to be married as well. So I had to be home and be a wife. I had to be at work and be an employee. I had to be at school and, mm -hmm. and be a student all in 24 hours. 
So I started to let go of certain things to say, I can't do this. Mm-hmm. I remember going to my boss for the first time and asking for help. Like, I really need a subordinate. I know I said I could steer the ship on my own, but I'm sinking. I really remember. Um, I, I remember even coming to you to say, guys, I need help with school. I can't. I can't take this. And I remember making a decision that if I'm not going to finish my dissertation in this semester, it's okay because I can't do everything because I got to a point, to a very dark point now where the pain after the operation did not go away. Mm-hmm. It, came, it was worse. And at the same time, I cannot have kids. I've been trying to have kids. And all this. So the issues around fertility were the ones that were more depressing than actually finding out that I had endometriosis. Mm-hmm. Because like any other condition, you find ways to manage. But with infertility now, it's, it's a lonely club. Because whenever you see someone pregnant, you are reminded that you can't. Mm-hmm. When you see babies, you are reminded that you can't get it. Mm-hmm. And when you see certain toddlers that were born round about the time you got married, you start to think, I could have. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then when your period comes, you're reminded, ah, child, your function doesn't, your, your organs do not function. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, um, it's, it's a battle. It's a mental battle inside. And you start to assume that people are sidelining you because you don't have kids. Mm. You get you... The way you carry yourself eventually spills over into how people treat you. Mm. Because they are trying to be... They are trying to soften the blow for you. Not because that's what they want to do, but because of the reactions that you would have portrayed for a particular thing. I remember blasting my friend because... She she just made a comment. It was silly. Like, oh, you know, Shaya Mari say, I'm school fees. But she was being genuine. Like, poor Shaya Mari. Isus Maria do you pay my school fees? And then I remember blocking and thinking, but how can she say that to me? Just because I did Now, you know, all those things. But mm. that's not it. Anyone can say that yeah. to that. Because, you know, Shaya Mari say, I'm not a mother. Isus Maria do No one gets touched about yeah. that, you know. So that battle to do with infertility now um, was the darkest time of, my, my, of, of the time because I think somehow, because later on I got to understand that a lot of the end of flare-ups are, are triggered by the normal things of, you know, like, like an asthma flare-up. Mm-hmm. If you are stressed, you definitely get a flare-up. Um, if you eat the wrong food, whether etc. So my flare-up started to be extremely high stress stress eating eating wrong foods and so i began to get worse again worse and worse and worse and worse mm. but that was the biggest battle to say so what what do i do next like mm-hmm. who am i supposed to be what am i supposed to be mm. and i remember i stopped going to church it just so happened that after my operation every sunday we were dedicating children like when were you giving birth to these kids <laughs> <laughs> like I can't I'll pray at home every Sunday someone was dedicating a baby it was mm. it just used to happen like that mm. so moving from that lonely club to accepting that you are enough as you are having a child does not make you a better woman and having not having one does not make you a, a less woman mm-hmm. it's it's a mindset and i will tell you there are days when i wake up on top of the world and it doesn't bother me mm-hmm. and there are days when the world wakes up on top of me and 
it it bothers me to say yeah. but now the magnitude of how how I'm bothered it gets better with time you know. so you're a working wife you're an indo warrior how has work and and this and all this you know and yeah how how does this work what do you do um i like i one of the most important things i learned was communication mm-hmm. i learned to communicate i learned to pray for people to understand me when i worked for eco cash holdings my boss he, he's still there and he reporting to a male boss trying to explain that I have endometriosis and going into the detail is tough. I remember I prayed for him and one day in March 20... I can't remember, 2019, I don't remember, but one day he was coming from um, Econet head office and he decided to switch on his radio. I don't, I don't know who still switches on their radio mm. during working hours. You're just driving from point A to point B in your back. And he read, he, the moment he switches on, there was a program on endometriosis. And he sat and he listened to the whole program. And from then on, literally my life changed. Mm. He, what, for me, the therapy for me that works when I'm in pain is I work. When mm-hmm. there are certain times where I can see like I have to do like a divergent therapy. I have to do occupational therapy. I have to do something so that I don't concentrate on the pain. But he could now see when I'm using work as therapy. Mm-hmm. And he could quickly tell me to you need to go and rest now. He would now understood when I wanted to come to the office a little later because I couldn't drive. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, I just took my tramadol and I'm still very drowsy. Can I come later? He now understood, and um, at that point, um, uh, Maisha did uh, like an awareness campaign for endometriosis as well. So mm-hmm. it really helped even the people that I worked with even across uh, functions mm-hmm. and also I could know I could work from a particular department like from Mars because I knew if anything happens those guys would be there to take care of me and all mm-hmm. then when I moved now with CBC I did the same thing I communicated with my boss to say you know what this is what I go through and like I said I think it's I, I can't I can't lose everything I can't battle infertility and workplace discrimination because I go through this and mm. still my boss invested in understanding what this was mm-hmm. and she she now knows like okay you've been quiet are you feeling well even mm-hmm. when we're working from home I haven't had any issues as a professional mm-hmm. but I've had so much support um, physically professionally medically um, when it comes to endo and as a wife Oh, bless, bless his soul, my husband. He's a, he's a doctor. Mm-hmm. He now knows the various stages of pain. So mm-hmm. I think we are a nine. Mm-hmm. And he now knows when it's a nine, it doesn't mean let's go to the hospital. And he now knows you cannot ask me by the minute how I'm feeling. I will slap you. <laughs> of course I'm unwell. <laughs> I do think I'm here. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's been easy. Um, even my entire family, the family I'm married into and my own family and my friends, I've had so much support. Mm-hmm. So it's been an easier journey. I've had to tackle with the things that I need to. Mm-hmm. And I've had people help me a lot, mm-hmm. even without me coming to ask. You know? mm-hmm. So it's, it's been very, it's been, a, it's been a good experience. You know when they say um, 
like uh, uh, you know how ants work together when mm-hmm. they're trying mm-hmm. to do something mm-hmm. I, I see that in my life I can be sick right now and when I didn't have a maid by the time I wake up from my pills my house is clean there's clean clothes you know all those things and I won't even know who came I would mm-hmm. then know my husband tell me oh so and so came so and so called you know, I always I have people praying for me and mm-hmm. all that so it's been it's been very easy because of the support that I've had okay. from all sides. So maybe as a way to just round off um this our this section of our discussion my question would be you know why now? Why why talk about it now? Why what was your intention in wanting to share your story and especially you know you're a professional in a big organization where people actually know that yeah okay so she's experiencing this. fertility issues mm-hmm. there's a lot of privacy stigma. and stigma you know we don't like talking about the things that happen you know why now why talk about it now um i think for me it was my path to healing my path to healing was structured in so many ways. Mm-hmm. I needed to talk about it. I felt if I had known about it, I would have gotten some help earlier. Mm-hmm. I remember telling my mom that if I had known, I would have had kids when I was in primary school and I was laughing to the I started my period in grade six, I would have had my kids then. Mm-hmm. So I felt if I had known, if someone had spoken about it in my culture, I would have known about it and I would have... Uh, try to seek help. Mm. During my dark times when I was depressed, I was depressed because I I thought people didn't understand me. Mm. But there's no way someone will understand what they don't know. Yeah. And I also wanted to save someone. Mm. Like I didn't want I don't want anybody else to go through this and yet I know about it. Mm-hmm. And um during the journey I started to look for so many enablers, things that would help me. And because I was looking for all these things that would help me, I also wanted to share them with people so that they could be helped. Mm-hmm. Um, the last thing why I wanted to share is um, I, where I was in so many support groups. I joined one support group in America and apparently endometriosis is now a disability. Mm-hmm. And you get your disability allowance, you stop going to work. But because I love my job. I didn't want it to be a disability. Mm-hmm. You know, at the end of the day, we are fighting women empowerment and breaking bias. But here we go and we say, you know what? I want disability allowance staying at home. Yes, there are people who suffer so badly from endometriosis, worse than I do, who are stage five, some who have had endogo as far as growing all over their heart. And that is terrible. But where I am able to work I want to give awareness so that I can get help. Mm-hmm. If people know what I'm going through, they will understand when I need help. Mm-hmm. So this is why I also wanted to give awareness. Okay. Well, thank you for that. Um, I hope somebody out there has listened, has heard, and has, you know, has learned that, you know, you're not supposed to go through these things on your own. Someone out there is also going through the same thing and there is a network, there's a community of women who have struggled um, and who are continuing to struggle with it, but it does not necessarily mean that you stop moving, yeah. you know. So thank you very much for opening up to us. We look forward to having you again 
on another time when you talk about other things. <laughs> <laughs> Most definitely. Thank you for having me. So that's it, folks. We hope you enjoyed our episode on endometriosis and our chat with Tendai. We're just hoping that if you are out there and you listen to this and you are struggling with this and you're not sure what it is, please go and get some help. Go to your nearest doctor, nearest health care center and get the assistance that you need. We know and understand that there are a lot of women out there who are suffering in silence. Please don't do so. Don't do it alone. You're not alone. There's someone out there who can actually help you. Thank you for listening. Goodbye.